You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Seeing as we're uh, reviewing a musical movie this week, Sid Talk, I'd like you to sing the intro to this. Uh... Really? You should sing the synopsis, actually, when we get down to that part. <laughs> okay, that's what you want. Does everyone listening want that, too? I'm not sure. Do you know? You definitely have you don't. Have taken want... a poll? I have taken a straw poll. <laughs> What's that mean? I don't know. I don't even know that. <laughs> I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. I think uh, it's probably a straw poll. Let me try and make an educated <laughs> guess of what that actually meant. Back in the early days of polls, <laughs> they had a bunch of straws, not straws, pieces of straw. And everybody put some pieces of straw in one box and then some pieces of straw in another box. And whatever you drew out, that's and your that opinion. Was a straw poll. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know what it says. The <laughs> unofficial ballot conducted as a test of opinion. So anything. I don't know why it's called a straw poll. No, that's, that's, well. That might not be a fact about the box. Do you think this bo- is fascinating to people? This is not our before the after the show discussion, by the way. The boxes and the straw might not be a fact. So I have to, you have to ask Google. It'll tell you. Okay. What was before the after the show discussion? Uh, you were fiddling around over there, and I was fiddling around over here. I wasn't talking, though, was it? <laughs> we were talking about your game you got for a dollar. I went out and put some dirt on the potato plants. You know, random randomness, really, for the yes. before the after the and show. birds. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at how to draw a bird. I'm making a drawing. I was drawing. My little... One thing I'm, I'm thinking of, we, we did discuss a little bit about this movie, for example. The struggle that most people have, or a lot of people. What movie? This movie where we watched uh, today. La 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 land. La 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 land. There you go. I'm saying for you. And that whatever you do in life as a job or as a thing, that, mo- I, don't know, I don't know about most people, maybe not, but um, it would strike you at some point, like, what am I doing? What am I doing that's doing anything for the world or people or anything? It's like I, I'm a hack. No matter what you're doing. Like, you could be anything. You could be, like, a girl who works at the coffee shop or the guy who works at the nursery or selling plants. Or the guy who sings in the, as the <laughs> rock star leader of yeah. ACDC or something. Anybody. Anything. You could even be, like, a, a scientist who's actually coming up with like finding genomes for DNA and shit, but all of a sudden you think, okay, what, what am I actually doing here? What, what am I contributing? What am I doing? And especially in the entertainment world, or like I do artwork, and you could easily say that anything I've ever drawn or made could have never existed and the world would be fine. The fact that it does exist and has given some pleasure and I've learned some skills and that's filled a lot of my time and made it valuable and made me, I think, a better human being to be able to, you know, express myself and then share that with other people. That's good, right? However, if it didn't exist, if no one ever saw it, it wouldn't matter. And so what are you doing it for? That's like that thing about you know? the cat. Is it in the box? Or is it not in the box? <laughs> is it dead or alive? No. It's in the box. <laughs> is it dead or alive? Yeah. But, um... I just think that when you see a movie like this and you're, you know, people struggling to be something, but then what's the point, really? Except for your own individual whatever. And that's what we were discussing that briefly. All right. So it's Saturday, April the 22nd. This is after the show. Earth Day, I believe, by the way. The what day? Earth Day. The, uh, you've put me off my train of thought. (laughs) 
Please um, refrain. It's right here in front of you. All you have to do is read the words. It is Saturday. Whatever his name was. Please refrain from... You know who he was? Yes. <laughs> Just eat your bar. He was kind of a me, big deal. <laughs> let me say this stuff. All right. It's Saturday, April the 22nd. Oh this God. is after the show. What? You have to start over. It's Saturday, April the 22nd. And this is after the show number 476. We are a movie review podcast, and the movie we're looking at this week is La La Land. It's a 2016 movie. It'll be released this upcoming Tuesday, April the 25th, on Blu-ray and 4K and DVD. You'll be able to catch it from our friends at Lionsgate. It's a PG-13. And Sidtart will now sing you the synopsis to La La Land. La 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 me 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 me. A jazz pianist in LA falls in love with an actress. Is she a part-time actress? End of synopsis. A jazz guy falls in love with an actress. True. It really is it. It is. And that's straight off the box. So that's my brief synopsis for you. Sang in all of its glory. So straight off the bat, this was the best picture, right, um, from the Oscars? For about, I was like, <laughs> it, it, it was formally known as the best picture at the Oscars, yes. uh, and then Moonlight won it. It was a weird uh, thing. Anyway, La La Land is a musical. Uh, my relationship with musicals, as I've said in the past, is some of them I really, really hate, and I can't even stand watching them for a second. And some of them I like. Uh, ones that I have liked along the way is Dream Girls. I think is quite a good musical. I don't know if I'd want to watch it again though. Uh, I liked it and enjoyed it at the time. I also enjoyed Grease. I don't know why. It you was young and young impressionable. And impressionable, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to watch it today either. Moulin Rouge was another one that sticks in my mind along the way that I really enjoyed. Mostly visually on that one. Wasn't particularly the music. I just thought it was an interesting take on that. Um... And you don't... I mean, we watch a lot of films, but musicals really are few and far between. They don't come a lot, often. So, La La Land, I knew it was a musical. It has uh, one of my favourite actors, Ryan Gosling, in it. And Emma Stone, I really like too. And I wasn't sure. I'd seen some clips, obviously. We watched the Oscars this year. And they had a few clips and played some of the songs. So I wasn't sure if I would like it. But I have to say... Now, let's be totally honest. You were really looking forward to it because you have a man crush on Ryan Gosling. Regardless of the movie, he is you want to see it. He is. Um, if I was a homosexual man, <laughs> which I'm not... Yeah, but you can still be attracted to him, even if you're not a homosexual I would, um, man. marry Ryan Gosling. <laughs> no. Uh, I just I like him as an actor. Ryan Gosling. Drive was where... He's already I'm married, I think. Or he has a woman. Uh, yeah, that lady. Eva Mendes. Eva Mendes, yeah. Um, so you'd be horning in on her action. <laughs> I liked Drive was what, you know, the first movie I really paid attention to Ryan Gosling. I was like, whoa, that no. that movie was It amazing. wasn't the first one. It was for me, the one that made me think, oh, I really like no. Ryan Gosling. You liked him in uh, Lars and the Real Doll. And the Real Girl. Yeah. I did like him in that. Yeah. But it didn't. That movie didn't make me think, oh, I want to go and see, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll seek out some Ryan Gosling films. He started off doing, like, romantic... I don't know. I don't remember him before ...kind of that. movies. Um, but then he'd done, you know, I'd seen a few films. Gangster Squad. He did, I was thinking earlier, he did Gangster Squad with um, Emma Stone as well, didn't he? So he's not, like, not worked with her before. 
So um, with this movie, I didn't know if I would like it or not. But I have to say, it's my favourite musical of all musicals that of I've ever time. seen. Yes, it is. It's not better than Wizard of Oz. From, well, that's not... That one doesn't really hold anything to me anyway. I mean... True. It was never a favourite of mine. But for me, this this musical has the things that are like... It's not only a musical. There's a film in there that is not musical as well. It's not everybody singing everything all the time. In fact... It it's goes very Evita. unmusical in the middle of the film. Like, there's a big it's not stretch. Evita. No, there's a big stretch of the movie where there isn't any singing and dancing numbers and the drama is playing out. And the actual drama of this film, the love story, I really enjoyed it. It's yep, up my street. Too. It looks how I like movies to look. You know, I, I have a, a distinct, the way some movies are. Some people will say, oh, that's really pretentious. I kind of go for that kind of thing where that, what people say that. Visually and all that, I, I like that. Which part? There's lots of visual That's why I like Paul Thomas effect. Anderson movies. A lot of people say, oh, he's really pretentious. Yeah. There's something about that that catches me, and this movie has all that. I'm not saying Because it bad makes way. its own world. It makes its own it's experience. Too. You aren't just watching characters make decisions and do, live through consequences, and it's... It's not just that, like watching, you know, um, Manchester by the Sea. That is a movie where you are literally just watching the people. Realistic. Yeah, and it's it's gut-wrenching because all you're going on are the people, their struggles, their reactions to each other, all of that. That's all you're focused on. If you would add a layer of Quentin Tarantino or Paul Anderson to that, it would be a whole different world you're creating. And it kind of separates you from them. Whereas if you're watching Hell or High Water or that one, you're like in it, right? right? But if you would add all this stuff, the singing, the dancing like they do, and that certain dreamy quality, you've like, you've made it its own little world. And what I really like is that those moments of connecting to real things, like when they're, they're at the table it, and they actually get in an argument, but it's subtle and it's like real. That was my favorite moment, I think, in the whole thing, maybe second favorite moment. My, I could have done without any of the singing and dancing. <laughs> I, Except that I like to watch the old school kind of yeah, shuffle really dancing liked. around. Yeah. The first part, the first scene, I get a complete, you could chop that off for me. I don't give a shit about dancing on the freeway. It's interesting. It's a cool idea. It's like this fantasized, I live in LA, we have lots of fucking traffic, and oh my god, wouldn't that be amazing if everybody started dancing and singing on the cars? And I think, uh, no, because guess what? I'm probably behind you assholes, and you're sitting there singing and dancing. The traffic has moved on. That's all I can think of, and it's really terrible. My favorite part of that whole scene is before they start dancing, and each car, the camera pans along each car, and there's a different type of music coming out of each car, and that is to signify, like... We're all in this world together, yeah. but we're all in this little world. In and I, had that, world. I was thinking, yeah. I have that experience every time I'm driving with the windows down. I pulled up just the other day at a stoplight. I'm listening to the 80s, and I forget what was on. I think it might have been Iran by the by Flock of Seagulls. I think it was that, and this is in this movie, which is really funny. I'm listening to it. I'm probably bobbing my head, tapping my hand. Somebody pulls up next to me, and it's like totally country music blaring out of their car. Yeah, it's like their own And yet I'm still contained in my little thing. And then as we roll away from each other, we just keep on our own little trajectory. So So I like that that part, yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I actually think, funnily enough, 
what's most talked about about this movie is that opening sequence and how fantastic it is. I actually think that's the weakest musical number. The song isn't very, particularly good for me either. And it's really, really showy. I understand they just want to... I really love, by the way, how this movie opens with the uh, filmed-in cinemascope, with the old font and everything. And then they do this big musical number, and then they all do jazz hands kind of thing. And then the La La Land logo comes with, like... It just looks like something from the 30s. It, it, and it, it brings that whole, whole thing to me. Like it's not Fred like of, you were alive in the 30s. No, but watch after watching any of those movies... I mean, I've seen Fred Astaire movies and... It just brought that old feeling of Hollywood to me immediately. Like, uh, and I it's think funny how we hang on to that. Yeah, and it, this does it. Like, it, it makes you go, "Wow, movies aren't like this now, are they?" But this is a tribute to that. So when the movie starts going, what I didn't expect, I expected it to be hundred percent like we're going into a song every two minutes, and that doesn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. It's more front heavy with songs, and then it gets less songs towards the end. What I really liked, though, was the dramatic parts. They were really... Like, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone have got some chemistry together, for sure. Like, I mean, Ryan Gosling's really funny in this movie. I didn't expect him to be that funny. There's the part where he um, is talking to his sister in in his apartment. I thought that was, like, really funny. Like, really and Because he's so uptight, like, about his thing. And anybody who doesn't really understand it is into jazz. And he's, like, a serious... Jazz is more than jazz to him. I mean, it's his life. Like, so anybody who just dismisses it, like his sister, is just like <laughs> it irks him. Like, it really irks him. I, I, and it's funny watching him do that because that's real. Yeah, those people exist. Well, like anything, if I'm in, really into a certain thing, and I tell somebody about it, and they don't seem like to have any, it makes even you. It might make you feel like. But you're well, not judgmental about it. He's judgmental. He's that person who. Because his favorite jazz club has been turned into a tapas bar. Yeah. It's abs- it's like an affront. It is, it's ripping apart the whole history of jazz. Yeah, you're just ruining everything. It's everything, yeah. And she sits on the bar stool that some other jazz guy sat on that the bar threw away a long time ago. And she's like, I can see why. It's just a shitty bar, that, a little bar stool, you yeah. know? But he's like, no, that's like, and then he rattles off all these references all the time and to other, to jazz musicians and what they did. And I know people like this. And my friend, Rocket, who's a musician slash philosopher slash theologian. What's it called when you're a Bible freak? As in studying the Bible. And he'll refer to all these other books that he's read and all these authors all the time. And that if you don't understand it, and if you've never read it, well, it's like he looks down on you. Like, ugh, how can you not be up to speed with me? And that's how this guy came off exactly right. I thought it was And it's very funny. Yeah, it's very funny. That scene is very funny. Yeah, and it's funny when... He, at the beginning, he um, is working in a restaurant bar as the pianist guy in the middle of the room playing crappy Christmas songs. <laughs> it's just draining his spirit and his soul. Like, he just really wants to play jazz songs. And that's funny in itself. Like, and he's just like, oh, you know, do it, dealing with it. And then a bit later on, <laughs> <laughs> a bit later on, you see him, you know, you see him again and he's just doing some more work just for money. Like, obviously he has to live. Yeah. And he's in a shitty little wedding singer eighties band, and he's playing like Flock of Seagulls, and yep, and he's dressed in the he's wearing 80s. his guitar, and he's <laughs> and it's just funny. Like, it's see, really the funny. problem is with that. 
I don't have sympathy for him at that point. I understand people's passions and not wanting to be a quote-unquote hack or sellout. I get that, kind of. But it also makes you an asshole because you're judging everyone else who does that as if that's a bad thing. So he's got the snob factor. Oh, yeah. And I don't have sympathy for that. I think if you're going to be making a 100 bucks to play at a party, dressed as an 80s whatever, then just get into it. Let's face it. you Those three hours of your life, you need to be in it. And then when you go home for 10 hours that night, you can do your jazz. But turn off the snottiness, snottiness and just be it. Now, if it's, if it's the, if it's like truly soul sucking, if it was him having to go sit and work in a call center all day, that I could understand. I would have a little more sympathy for. I feel like that is his equivalent of sitting in a call center. It is mine, but it isn't. Playing see? the Christmas Because he's music. still honing his skill. He's still working on. He's still keeping his, he's doing his thing, just not in the snotty way that he wants to do it. So this was my problem with both characters. I had no sympathy for them feeling like failures, trying for their dreams and all this, because I just felt like your struggles are a bit self-indulgent, right? And that's kind of how I guess we all look at someone who's trying to be a musician, artist, whatever. And, you know, I just felt like it was not sympathy worthy. I didn't identify with their specific things that they're trying to get done. I only sympathize with the idea that life can crush your soul and suck out all the creativity from you. That I can identify with. But not this, like, I want to be a famous actress. She wasn't really trying to hone any kind of perfected perfected skill or anything. She just wanted to be a famous actress. That's it. She wanted to be the one who walks in the coffee shop and everybody looks at her like... (gasps) It's her. Yeah, but right? so that's beginning, all she wanted. So that doesn't appeal to me at all. Well, I see that. I understand that kind of person. Like that's their dream. Whatever your dream is, that's their dream. Yeah, the but I don't LA, have any sympathy when dream. you can't when you're not doing it. I don't have sympathy for that one. That you're not doing it. No, or the jazz musician who's actually doing music for a living and working toward another version of music for a living. It's not like, oh, poor you. You have to sit in a lounge and entertain people for three hours in the evening. Big freaking deal. Like, I don't get why that's a problem. I also am not an art snob. I don't see the problem with illustration versus fine art versus advertising artwork versus high art, quote unquote, or fine arts from like 15th century. Like, I don't see it any different. You know, there's a, there are posers and fakers and all that kind of stuff. But as far as like, if I sit here and draw an illustration, that's no less than me sitting here and drawing a perfectly drafted work of art that could hang in the Louvre. You know what I mean? To me, it's no different. So that's why I couldn't connect with this idea that, oh, you're just kind of skirting the bottom here. Poor you with all your auditions. And then, oh, you're going to go to an audition someday that make all your dreams come true. It just oh, doesn't no. resonate. Well, no, it does. It well, doesn't well, resonate with me. Right. Well, the story is that's how it works. Yeah, I really liked her. I did. I felt more for Gosling's character than Emma Stone's character. Um, I could. He played it really well. The like, like the life sucking. Even when he got successful and he <laughs> was in this, sucking. he was in this big band, like um, like a pop band almost, pop jazz, and it became a big thing. And he's, but his heart is not in it. Yeah, he's doing it for just to live, like or, or to fulfill his dream of owning this jazz club eventually. No, he was doing it for her. He yeah, he was. That part. Yeah. But I mean, the the he let her knock him off of his trajectory. Yeah, him staying in it though, well, is what I'm saying is 
like he's got this future thing that he's thinking of, and she's like, he says to her, I like this scene. He says to her, it's really good. That's my favorite. Do you scene. like this? Do you like the our band, our music? And she says, Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, but I didn't think you did. Yeah, and so she's like, disappointed yeah. <laughs> that he's willing to do it. Yeah. Even though she likes it. It's very complex. And I love she, that scene. Yeah, and then she's saying to him, basically, like, why are you wasting your time on that? And then he throws it in her face, like, yeah. well, I'm doing it because you expect this, that, and the other for me to follow my dream. And she's just like, what? And then he sort of knocks her back by saying, you're just an actress, which was like... Like, like well, she said something about about being popular and liked. And he said, yeah. how can you... You're an, you want to be an actress, like... Which, in his mind, that's all it's all about. All they want, just yeah. fame. Like, yeah. And, and, so, yeah, it has a lot of interesting those complex... Those scenes are awesome. On, on those scenes, a lot of those scenes, this is why I like this movie a lot, reminded me of Magnolia. They were very, like, emotional face-to-face scenes. You know the scene in Magnolia with the policeman at the dinner table? You remember that? Which one? In Magnolia, <laughs> there is a scene with the policeman... And the woman, his girlfriend at the time. And they're at the... In the restaurant? And she said, now that I've met you, would you never would you never object to see me again? That, that bit. Right. That scene reminded me of that. It's like super emotional. Like it's it's just two people sat Like we're deciding right now that this isn't going to work. Yeah, and... It's only going to work if I I'm I love you and everything, but yeah, this is it. Yeah, it's only going to work if I'm the struggling musician. Oh, that's what he says to her. Yeah. You were only really into me because I was struggling and that made you feel better about yourself. Yeah. I was like, it was I've been feeling shit. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean that's, that's where it all went horribly wrong. Like, it just started But is to... it not wrong? It's not wrong, though. Because mm-hmm. this is the thing. Their relationship. That's why. That, uh, that's my favorite thing of the overall movie. That's my favorite scene. And the, the, the best theme of the movie is, of the story is, this first love, not first love, but this passionate... New act, you know, struggling artist, struggling actress, falling in love, encouraging each other to do their thing. And then it doesn't quite work. Does it need to work? No. It doesn't need to, they don't need to cling to each other because they're going to hold each other back, which we see that a little bit. He gives her more encouragement and she kind of runs with it versus him feeling a little more tied down. So the fact that they don't have to, this could be spoilers, I guess, but the fact that they don't have to end up happy, happy together. It's really a good way of looking at it because you don't see a lot of those old movies. It's almost always they end up, you know, the kiss and the heart shape and the moon in the background, that kind of thing. But that's what I really liked was that we needed each other for that because we kickstarted each other to do our thing. Because she'd given up at one point in the movie, given up, gone yeah. back to her parents and just like sit in a bedroom, given up. And he turns up to and she becomes yeah. something because he turned up really. Like to to say, look, what because the fuck he are you confronted doing? the idea that he was willing to give up his thing just for her, right? Made him go, oh, but I can't, so I have to give up her. Because he says to her, when you do this thing, you have to give it your all. Yeah. So her thing was, if you watch, you know, if you think about it, her acting career, the marriage, a child, the nice house—that was her thing. All of that combined, and it looks like she gave it all her all. He then gives it. He couldn't do his thing with her around. So, I like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like my favorite scene, actually, when you just said that's your favorite scene. My favorite scene is where he meets her at the, He meets her very early on in the movie. And he says to her, I love jazz. Jazz is my thing. 
I can go to jazz clubs. I play in jazz clubs. Just it's my thing. And she says, I don't actually like jazz. Because I just want to get this out of the way right I now. Like I, I hate jazz. Yeah, I hate it. So he takes her to a jazz club, and this was my favorite scene. And it was from the perspective of somebody who loves something so deeply they can't contain it. Yep. And he's basically, there's a jazz band, and she's there as the hating jazz person. And he's like, no, listen to jazz how I listen to jazz. Like, then you'll get it. Like, And he keeps looking at her. And he's like, listen to what he's doing. He's improvising, and he's doing that. And she's kind of just like, she's kind of understanding it. Maybe applying it to, well, I really love acting or whatever she loves. No, I think you, what you do is, is you absorb the other person's enthusiasm. That's like, what I mean. I don't give a crap about video games. Like, I don't. I like the ones I like, but everything else I don't care about. They could not exist for as far as, far as I'm concerned. However, when you start telling me or showing me or playing one, and then you tell me about it, and it's not even the the game itself that I'm interested in. You could just be going blah, 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 blah. It's just that I feel that electricity that's happening in your brain and in your every part of you. That this thing is, is like, ugh, you know, and that I like. That makes me appreciate that video games exist, and I've learned to appreciate different kinds and different ones, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to become a video game lover. Now, movies, we can both identify with loving, you know, movies, we both do, but it's looking at another thing that I'm not interested, it could, wouldn't be in my life at all, would be video games, right? Or computers, but for you, so, her, I was identifying with her like she's never going to see it that way. She's never going to go home and buy all these old jazz albums and sit and listen to them and, and think of it ever like he is. But only because of his love. That's why when she says to him, but do you like what you're doing? Because she knows that he does it, right? She can see that. It doesn't matter to her that she would sit there and listen to it all day. She likes this band, this weird, what would you even call that? Jazz, pop EDM, whatever they were doing. No, the, the John Legend in this movie is a, he's trying to, he's also a jazz lover, but he's, he's one of those guys who's like, well, jazz is a bit stale and old and it's yeah. only for a certain crowd. So if I bring like soul and, you know, electronic beats and all that to jazz, then maybe we can make jazz live further than it but should. But it's going to be different. It's going to yeah. be contorted into a Whereas different thing. Ryan Gosling's character, can't 100% get behind no. it because it's all about Count Basie and all that stuff. He wants all the people like him to come play in his own bar yeah. and just keep it that way. So, uh, you know, and neither one of those characters is wrong. No. Because they become successful with this new sound of If it jazz. weren't for new, then we wouldn't have rock and roll. Right. We wouldn't have EDM. We wouldn't have swing music. We wouldn't have any music that wasn't the original whatever people beating on a tree trunk i don't know like if you never move forward and create new things right so i i, I like that part too but i found a lot of those scenes really intense and very realistic for a musical type of movie that that's of them talking and, it, and her saying to him so what are you going to do and he's like well we're on this tour and then we'll make another record and then we'll be on another tour and she's like so you're in it for the long haul yeah <laughs> and that's where She's like, he's looking at her like, well... Yeah. <laughs> he's accepted it. He's just accept, yeah, accepted. He kind of enjoys it, but it's not. Almost like he well, he can accept that he'll be the, oh, poor me. I have to play in this 
yeah. sellout band. The part, the part that where the informs uh, who he is a little bit. Where the video, where they're making the music video, and the guy's yeah. telling him to. He's just taking actually a picture. It was a video. Him, it was just a photo shoot. Yeah, but telling him to do stuff. Yeah, like uh, like move your glasses down, pretend. Bite your play. lip. Yeah, and it's uh, and that's the that's the thing that irks him from the beginning. People telling him what to do. Yep. Like when he's originally to play the Christmas music, don't ever slip into your music. <laughs> just play the Christmas music, and he just can't deal with that. Like it's just the whole thing. So all these drama scenes, I really, really, I think these two, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, they're fantastic together. Now the musical scenes, um, I like some of them and I dislike some of them. I think that freeway bit at the beginning is overrated. Oh, I really God, do. Yeah. I don't actually like the song either. I didn't either. I listened to it again and no, it's not. It's that's musical. It that's really the is. Thing that you don't like about musical. That yeah. musical. Yeah. I'm I didn't like it hands. at all. I was like, I was in awe of the concept and the idea, and you've got all these people out on the hot freeway, and you've got them all dancing. Which I was like, okay, that looks kind of interesting, and it's mixing a really old-fashioned thing where you used to see old movies, and it was on a big, huge set with a big, giant circular stairway and all these dancers walking down, and it's very glitzy and contained, and you're taking that and throwing it out on the three freeway, which I appreciate that, and yet I was really bored, and I just couldn't... I was thinking, oh my god, please don't be how it is through the movie, and it had nothing to do with the movie. No, it's just an opening, like yeah. you said, to make it feel like... He wanted to tell you this is what you're in for, but you weren't. It was no, nothing not even really like that. No, no it's, it's more of a drama. Until you get to the one party where everybody dances and sings again. I could have done without that as well. But now, some of the singing parts, uh, some of the um, numbers were absolutely fantastic. I could watch them over and over again. The one where... They've left the party and they're just walking up the road looking for her car. And it's like a, it's literally like singing in the rain type, yeah. um, old style shuffling. I like that one. Um, it's, I, I, this is what I loved about it. The dance moves are really awesome, like, and really perfect and they looked like they're enjoying themselves. And then how it was punctuated by her Nokia ringtone. Like it, like it, you're watching this thing, you're like, oh crap, I'm, it's almost like I'm watching uh, Fred Astaire. And then next thing you know, oh no, we're in the modern world. It, yeah. It's like, keeps reminding you of this modern world thing. Like, oh, this is all Hollywood and glamorous. Oh, but no, is is a car or is a... Yep. I really liked how that worked. I liked how some of the musical numbers were natural, like that one. Like, they're just walking up the road and then it starts, right? <laughs> is that natural? <laughs> it is for a musical. It doesn't, it didn't feel... It, the more organic, like it, yeah, it like it, like we're just looking. Oh, we go to the observatory, and there's just a lot of interesting imagery there, and we get to see some dancing and some singing. It felt a bit more. Some movies. But think about it. The whole observatory could be cut out. It doesn't tell any story. It, it doesn't, doesn't do anything. Well, it's except, a, about their early love story. Like I know, but it doesn't push the forward. You understand that they're in the la la land of their relationship. They're in the like. We're floating on air, we're dancing in the stars, that feeling, and but that doesn't do anything else. It's just a interesting looking, fun thing, you know what I mean, to watch them dancing in the sky. And I had a really cool song. That, yeah. That's the, and I mean, it's a musical at heart, they have to True. get the songs in. So, no, I really like that get, part. They have to squeeze those songs in there. I liked how it was split into the four parts of the movie, which is the seasons of the year, and how... It had that structure of, like, we're getting to know each other, we're in the full blossom of our love, and then it just, it almost goes magnolia towards the end. It just starts to 
kind of crumple up a little bit and feel bad. It starts to feel bad, but then it's kind of got this positive yeah. ending to it. The ending I really liked. The, it's a spoiler, but the ending does a musical number that the movie goes a particular way. The relationship the goes... The reality a, goes a certain way, yeah. Yeah, and then the the musical number at the end is an alternative alternative ending, or... or no, alternative movie, really. A different... The opposite it way. It's just basically, she's sitting there, she sees him, and then it flashes in her mind in a split second what their life would have been like right. if they had stayed together. And it's just that, and that's realistic. That's very realistic. And that your la, mind, la, la, And that's that's what that's about. It's not really like, oh, here's an alternate ending. It's more like, in that moment, she just goes, oh, shit, and then all of it flashes because she's not with him, and she didn't have... She's not married to him, and now this whole new ending appears. Which, so, like, for a very romantic into it. person, mm. who I really like a love story like this, It when it started to go a bit, like, I was like, oh, no, I really... I'd like this couple together. I like them. And then that kind of that that part where it said where it showed you kind of this is what it could the have been fake like. ending you mean but Made then it, then it comes back to the real world and you understand the characters because he's looking at her and she's looking at him and it's like no you got your thing I got my thing where the it, fact that you're not with me is going to probably inject some of my heartbreak some of my motivation some of the reason I get up every day. If you so were with then, me, I think I'm a star. If if you were with me, I wouldn't do what I'm. And maybe doing. this jazz club wouldn't exist because Correct. a lot of that energy would have gone somewhere else, right? So exactly, or the expectations of this like relationship and the house and the kid, it you know, sucked. Yeah, sucked the energy away from what he wanted to do. So yeah, um, overall, in general, uh, yeah, it's my favorite musical. I really liked the music. There's some really nice songs. There's the song where she uh, sings, she goes for an interview for a TV show. No, for a movie, actually. Yeah. And she, um, the actual audition, not interview, She's. they tell her, they say to her, just tell us a story, it can be anything. That's and my favorite she, song. And she does it in movie. music. Yeah. And she sings a song to them. I thought that was pretty, like, um, powerful. I thought some, I thought that one, the, the one on the cover, was, it was just a really fun, it didn't, it's, to me, it doesn't feel self-indulgent because it's a musical anyway. It just felt like a tribute to the old-style musical, but it made sense. Like it wasn't like, oh, shit, yeah. we gotta, we gotta insert a musical song in there. <laughs> like, yeah, it just a lot of it did. You know the part where she's getting ready at the beginning and her friends are in the flat yeah. and they all start singing, and that is a little bit more like the beginning part, a bit over the top. Yeah, and this the pools, the pool dance was also the same. For it me. gets a bit less over the top the f- further it goes on. That's what I'm saying. It gets less musical towards the end, which I w- I was like, wow, we haven't had a song for twenty minutes. It's all it's, it's all less musical and just more acting parts. soundtrack. Yeah, that falls the orchestral into stuff. The, yeah, and then you get a massive musical number at the end, obviously, because it finishes on a musical number. So, um, did you have the same thoughts as me? Were you? Uh, uh, I wasn't as in love with it. I'm pretty you? in love with it, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Um, if I clipped out all the parts that I was a little bit uninterested in, I would be left with the few scenes of them sitting, discussing their relationship, a couple of songs only. I could cut off the imagined ending as well. 
because I would understand it from a look that she, and even if you just flashed like a half a second of something different, I don't need the entire thing. So I'm not that person. I'm not the audience for the, now, while Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie of all time, I was very young and impressionable, and I understand, even now when I watch it, the songs don't make me all giddy and happy or anything. I don't get like, oh, my heart doesn't fill with like, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if life was a big song and dance number? No, nothing like that. I think that would be super boring, and I wouldn't like it. So I'm not the person to fall in love with this as a whole. However, there are moments when they are together, and the dialogue and their performances and the the, the very singular songs I think is a gem of a movie. I don't think it deserved to almost win Picture of the Year, but I understand the quality is there. It's just that the rest, you know, any movie where I can chop it up and make my own movie out of it probably isn't great for me. Um, But I think it's high quality, and I I appreciate it for what it is. I I think it was. I'm not in love with it. I actually think it was great, and I (laughs) and a musical really has to do something to win me over because I'm normally like, oh god, no, this is way too much, or it's a bit too flashy, but this felt like a really nice relationship movie. Not a not a hokey sappy relationship movie, like an actual real relationship movie. That's the part with a musical around it, but. But why then? Other than, well, I have wanted to make a musical, meaning the director-writer, since I was a teenager, and therefore I'm going to make a musical. That doesn't make it better for me. And that is what it is. It is an indulgent... I've watched every single movie. I've listened to every single Fred Astaire Star so- song. I want to reference all these old feelings that you were talking about. They and it is all about through. himself and his partner, who did the composing. And I feel that. Other than the nugget, the golden nugget of the story that's buried inside of it, the rest of it is just to give people that moment where they come out and go, that was so cool when they were dancing in the stars. Oh my God, we don't see people do this anymore. That doesn't make it a better movie, right? That makes it a different experience. Um, So I say if you love singing and dancing... And you love... Um, I don't think you have to love singing and dancing necessarily because... Like well, I think I said, you love it more. Yeah. I mean, I don't particularly. I don't go for musicals. I don't go... I don't seek out show tunes or anything like that. I don't... But all of it combined to me works. Like, it really works in this movie. Like I say, Magnolia is one of my favorite movies. It's not a musical. There is a musical sequence in the middle of the movie where all the characters... um Seeing you know, the same song. lip sync a song. Because there's music in every constant. And the music the in that movie works as a it's a character in the movie. It tells you a story. All the all the lyrics to the music tells you a story. It doesn't tell you. It hammers you over the head. But this also is obviously really hammers you over the head because it's actual musical numbers. But the musical numbers to me fit the story. Like it never. Wa- Some movies, Dreamgirls is an example. There are. Really cool dramatic sequences in Dreamgirls, and then they burst into song. And I literally sit there and go, can you not burst into that song? You've not done enough of the acting. The song ruins the emotion part now for me, because you're just going to sing a song. But in this, they don't do that. They have a huge, long, deep acting scene, and then a song afterwards. It's the same thing. No, when you've actually had chance to absorb like this scene where they sat talking... 
the relationship and the complexity of that conversation. And then, you know, a scene after, there'll be a musical number. Not that they're sitting having this complex conversation that you're really enjoying, and then all of a sudden, they all sing. Right. And this movie doesn't ever do that. So I felt like it was less self-indulgent in that way. But um it's easily my favourite musical. It just, it's like a feel-good thing, but it's also a feel-bad thing at some points. <laughs> you definitely go on a bit of a roller coaster of emotion. You're like, oh, wow. It's like a real thing. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Moving on to the cast, I've only got four people down because, mm-hmm. yes... And two of them don't even count, really. This movie is a cast of hundreds, <laughs> but most of them are dancers, right? So you don't actually get to hear anything from them. They just dance in the background. Not to say that those people are less, but you won't know who they are. So I won't mention them. So Ryan Gosling plays Sebastian, the jazz uh, pianist guy. What did you think of Ryan? Awesome. I mean, he's, he's good. So no matter what he does, I'm impressed. I mean, because... minus Gangster Squad, right? Another yeah. movie he did with Emma See, Stone. I can forget that one. <laughs> I can ignore that one. I don't know that he was bad at it, though. No, it just wasn't you know? a good movie, was right, it? Right, but that doesn't mean he was bad in it. I don't recall. But um, I think he takes on every single thing he's going to do with, like, both hands, you know, grab literally. In this one, he learned how to play piano and... He feels like he's examined what he's supposed to say. Now, occasionally it can feel a bit stagey, but then in, in any movie, not just this one. So that could be reflective of the, the musical idea, but occasionally it gets a bit actorly. Very, not always. Uh, there's a few scenes in this one where it got a little bit, you know, it might have been the ones that were going into or coming out of the singing and dancing. So that could be explain why or the brooding pl- piano player guy, but so that kind of made him a little more one-dimensional at times. But overall, I I can watch him, not because he's Ryan Gosling, but because I feel like he takes that character and wants to figure out I mean, why he's saying what he's saying and doing what he's doing. He learned how to play the piano and learned how to sing and dance, which he hadn't done right. for this movie. Now, that's a level of commitment that is, <laughs> yeah. I think, admirable. Yeah, like but I don't think it's more admirable than someone learning their lines and being a different character. It's all the same. It's learning a few new skills, but then that's what performance is about. But you didn't have to. What I'm saying is another person could be in this movie and say, I can't learn to play the piano. I'll never do it. I'll just pretend to play the piano. Right, but doing it isn't more admirable And you than will not use an, a piano person standing. So. Right, but that doesn't add to his ability to be a performer quality-wise to well, me. It's, it's going above he, and beyond. Yep, yeah, I disagree. Because if someone did the hand, did the piano part, and he sat there and gave it all the emotion, and the camera was on him looking across the piano but not seeing his hands, his emotion of telling me how into it he was is all I'm looking for. The fact that he went ahead and learned it, it's like that meth, you know, skirting the line of the method acting thing where he needs to, he wanted to learn it. He always wanted to learn to play piano anyway, which he admitted. So I don't know that it made it him a better performer. It didn't tell me the story any better, but it definitely looked awesome to see him sitting there and you could see all of him. No cutting away. You know, we've seen it forever and ever when <laughs> someone's playing an instrument, we only see their hands and then we see them from behind or something. And the same with singing and dancing because he has to really literally be full body singing and dancing in this movie. Well, there's no body double for that. There is in some movies where they 
where particularly difficult moves, they show it from the back, and it's actually somebody else. Well, like break dancing and shit, but not just what they were doing. In like this movie, around and in this movie, they're doing complicated dance routines. They're, they're not just like it's I mean, not, any dancing is complicated. Yeah, to me, it, so. that that one there where they're dancing, you know, under the under the light over LA, it's um, it's a complicated dance routine. It's not anything. You learn in two minutes. It's- yeah, but I don't understand this admiration. He's the performer. That's his job. He got made millions of dollars. It's not like, oh, what a great human being he is. He learned how to dance. That's not what movie. I'm saying. I'm just saying it's. That's he's, a lot. Of I, I'm say, saying though. there's it's a ridiculous. lot of. Um, he's committed. To you doing don't a have good to job. do that stuff. I admire that somebody will go. Well, I'd write, like, rather it look more authentic, so I'll just learn to play the piano. Like I won't, you know. And they're probably saying to you, you don't need to do that. We but can- what, the, what I'm saying is that doesn't take away from someone else who doesn't choose to do that. Because that other person could give just as good a performance and tell me the story of that character equally as good, but in a different way. So I don't think it, it needs to elevate someone other than as a human being. Now he's learned more skills. I think it does help you express yourself more when you learn more creative things. That's separate from being able to tell me this character's story. So... So uh, moving on to Emma Stone as Mia, what did you think of her? Same, like he'd been, like, like I said, they've... same thing. She's really good. She's got moments of sheer raw emotion, which I really like. Moments of staginess and actorliness, which I could have gone amiss with. But I feel like she's a young woman in Hollywood, and there are lots of affectations that they're probably very reflective because she is actually in real life a young woman in Hollywood. So. A lot of the moments are a bit extra stagey, but then that fits. So she was I also she in was Birdman, really wasn't she? Yeah. Um, another kind of very actively showy mm-hmm. film, like um, that you did not particularly. Like. No, I didn't really. Um, but this movie also Emma Stone. Um, my favorite scene of her is uh, she's on. She's in an audition and she's doing this really heartfelt um, monologue. To a cell, talking into a cell phone, and they're just, there's a Don't woman a just shit. typing on Don't an iPhone, care. and you can hear the typing. And there's a guy just, the guy's even looking at the wrong headshot page, like, it's just the, it's just the whole, you're just a piece of meat, like, unless you really stand out, we're not even gonna look at you. Yeah. Uh, and she's doing that, and then somebody comes to the door, and they, she's in the middle of the heartfelt thing, and they say, um, two minutes, less than two can minutes. Can you just wait for a few minutes? Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> Try like how you have to just recompose yourself, like oh, back to normal. But it's not like you're curing diseases, so you're not so precious about, as you scene. think. You're, it is really good. That's not what I was. I'm, no, no. But I think I'm that, saying it was. It was just. But it's also meant to make you feel really bad for these poor actresses who have all these struggles and they're just treated like a piece of meat. That's your choice. You know how it works. You're not going to be famous. It's, it's from, a terrible. Like, um, Process. It is. Even like modeling is a terrible process where they just walk them all up a thing and go, yeah, uh, you six home and you come in here and we'll interview. It's just all very impersonal. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think that's how most job interviews for the most mundane jobs really are. Yeah, it's like, uh. You're just nothing. You're, there's, and you never know what one thing is going to stand out. That's why when we hear people talk about extras and they go, we had seen 150 kids that day. And then he walked in, and I instantly said, that's him. Yeah. And you're like, what? So that's an intangible. Yeah. That's so that's true. all they're looking for. They're not even looking for your her heartfelt thing. It's just something that you go, you know, it sounds to me like anyway. I listened to an interview with Danny Boyle the other day, and uh, he was talking about how he'd love to make a musical, right? It's his, it's his 
The he says it's the pinnacle of his film career. I'm sorry, who's Danny Boyle? He's the uh, creator of Train Spotting, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, <laughs> Twenty Eight Days. Is Just so people know. Yeah, you know Danny Boyle. Um, I was, do. He was, was saying that when does. he makes a musical, when he when he writes a musical and films a musical that actually is accepted by people, this was his always his goal. He will feel like he's fulfilled what he's because he always wanted to do one. But he, he says whenever he tries it, it just seems hokey and he can't deal with it. I mean, like Slumdog Millionaire, the song. <laughs> There's a song, yeah. But, At the end, but yeah. So he said the movie Millions, which is another movie, which is an awesome movie. Really Not good. many people saw it. It's about these little boys. And uh, he said that was a musical. He wrote it as a musical. They wrote all the songs for it. They came to the filming and they got the little boy to start singing the first thing. And him and his... ADR guy, they looked at each other and said, let's just chicken out. This is not going to work. <laughs> let's just do it in dialogue instead of musical. And he said that was literally on the day of filming still going to be a musical. Wow. So he said, next time maybe I won't chicken out, but I haven't done it yet. He said, Steve Jobs, I almost... But he, he's like, we almost wanted to do musical numbers in Steve Jobs, but then we were like, this guy's dead. And it's like... If you're going to do it, I say, you know, this this movie does the thing where they're mixing the the small romantic drama comedy slice of life kind of thing. Not but, comedies, uh, essentially. Well, it's got humor. It's got some. Yeah, it's got the humor of, you know, little bits and pieces. Yeah, it's not over overtly comic, comedic, but it's got humor, life humor. But if you're going to do it, if you're going to do one, just say, fuck it, we're just doing it. We're going to go full on with the big stair hay and the headdresses and the big, all of it. We're going If we're going to mimic... What we saw in the 30s and 40s, and before that in the vaudeville, and before that on stage for 100 years or whatever, we're just going to do it. We're not going to try to be modern. We're just going to, like, screw it, you know, just go for it, and then see what happens. Who did that? Um, it wasn't a musical, necessarily. Do you remember the play? Uh, there was a silent movie that was made. For, it won an Oscar, like, five to five years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. The director. Yeah. Black and white one, mm-hmm. silent movie with music. That was literally saying, like, let's make a movie like from then. Let's not try and modernize it. Let's just make a movie. Yeah, that that was... But nobody's really done it with a the musical. They always try to. But there again, Disney, I guess, with Beauty and the Beast, things like that. That's very classical. It's not fully with... musical, though. The new Beauty and the Beast is. It's all musicals. Uh, every, all the dialogues sang. Why is it so popular? <laughs> People love it. Oh, my God. I could see this, La La Land. We just watched the movie. It could definitely be on an on Broadway, couldn't oh, it? Oh, sure. And, and, and maybe lots of, wire, lots of wire work there in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. But all of it could be broken down into a into actually sure. a stage version. I'm surprised it isn't already. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, so, J.K. Simmons, what did well, you think? Well, what they can't say is, based on a movie that won Best Picture of the Year. <laughs> no. So, uh, what do you think of J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons in was in the previous movie, Whiplash, by this director. So he's back in this. I know, but he could have been. But don't anybody. expect much because he could have been anybody. He doesn't matter. It's actually anybody. funny because in Whiplash, he actually he's the same character. He's yeah, in every he's the same character in yeah. Whiplash. He is the hard ass jazz drum tutor. This is like and that character. Twenty years later, guy. has succumbed to whatever. He doesn't and want to just, listen to jazz. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> fuck it. I've bought this this um. Restaurant and we have a piano in the middle. I'm over all that bullshit from yeah. Whiplash. <laughs> I'm just now. I'm just sick of this musician asshole yeah. acting like he's something special. Like he owns the place. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> it's a sequel. Yeah. It it's is. like the magical oh. sequel to mm. Whiplash. Oh, that's a big one. And then finally, John Legend plays Keith. Now, John Legend here is here to... There's a musical number involving John yeah. Legend. And because of the music and because he wrote it and because he performs it like, a, obviously, a high-level performer. I mean, he's, there's not performer. much acting going on from him. He did a pretty good job. He though. sings a song. In the scenes where he's chit-chatting oh, and the did. little... I thought you would liken it to a Spike Lee kind of conversation because he's saying to this guy, yeah. you feel shit. Like, you want to hang on to this old crap, and you got 90-year-olds, and we need the young people. It's like he's giving you a diatribe about... That does happen a bit. Get over your thing about jazz, because it's just not happening, you know? So, I liked it, though. That was fine. But then, but he, then again, he could have been, other than the performance part, could have been somebody else, so... This is the uh, second film directed by Damien Chazelle. This is... Uh, he did Whiplash, I, I just mentioned. Um, Oscar, Oscar winner. And then... Uh, now La La Land. Um, what do you think of this director? He's really young, 31. Actually, I thought he was about 23 looking at him on the set. I was like, wow, who's this kid that they've dragged in here? But um, he's got an eye for stuff for sure. Like Whiplash was also a super intense Whiplash. He puts himself in it. Like, yeah. as in, I can imagine every waking moment, once he's on a project, I don't know, because I don't know the guy. But because of the quality of everything that we've seen, well, two things, there is a certain, like, you can't imagine him at five o'clock, cameras stop rolling, and he goes home and watches a football game and has supper with his kids. You imagine him just living his, having his phone in his, is in his hand every second, right? So he's constantly, like filming stuff and looking at it. You can imagine him when everyone else is gone and he's sitting there alone, maybe at the... I don't know. I'm just imagining he doesn't let it go until it's done. And I feel like you you see that. He's enthusiastic. Reminds he's enthusiastic. Me of, and he gets, the, a good, he gets good things out of people. Yeah, he actually reminded me a lot of Tarantino when he was younger. If you watch, like, Tarantino on the set of Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction... He's like this ball of energy running around. Yeah, but like, he was really super controlling. I don't but think he's this also guy is controlling. Like super, like knows everything. Like, like he said, he knows everything about musicals. This guy, like, he's watched all musicals. He can tell you everything about French camera musicals, work and, yeah, camera work. It's like an encyclopedic knowledge of that stuff. So what uh, you know, he's using a lot of what he's learned from seeing that stuff. You can see all that enthusiasm in him. Um, I think he's going to do. He's, I was going to say, he's already done great things. He's made two movies and they've both been nominated for Oscars. But uh, we're going to see stuff from this guy, aren't we? More stuff. We're going to see him crop up in the awards season every year, I think, for a while. I would think. I mean, he, he needs some... I don't know. He's focused on a particular type of characters here, as we have seen. I mean, Whiplash and the, this are different. Right, but the piano guy could be the Whiplash drummer. Yeah. Just at a different stage of life, where he's now the whiplash guy. You can't imagine him compromising at all, ever. You, you can imagine him just being like his brooding, 100%. It will kill him before he moves on to anything else. Whereas, 10 years on, he's Ryan Gosling. He's a piano player instead, but I mean... So I feel like he's focusing on the same kind of characters. And obviously he and his partner who make these movies and write the music are very musically inclined. So I'd like to see him break out of that a little bit. They obviously like don't jazz do, too. Yeah, don't do a performance movie. Don't do a, perform- a movie where the people are all focused in an entertainment thing. Um, just to see. Just to see what it's like. 
see how you pull out those characters. You know, it could be anything. Damien Chazelle also wrote the screenplay for 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is a very different thing. Yeah. So he, he's capable. He didn't direct it. No, he just wrote the right. story. So John, Dan Trechtenberg directed that from Totally Red. <laughs> but um, this guy has obviously can do other things. Um, but I'm impressed with both movies he's made. They've, they've got an intensity to them, both of them. And they look like somebody who cares about making movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, so extras, there are a bunch on this Blu-ray. If you, uh, I, I don't like this on the front, on the front of Blu-rays these days, it says over three hours of special features when two of those hours is a commentary. Yeah, it's yeah. the movie. Yeah, with it's commentary. the movie with yeah. the commentary. Um, so expect one hour of special features actually, as well as a commentary. Um, good extras though, I thought. It showed you how they closed the freeway down in LA to do the opening sequence. It showed you the Ryan Gosling learning the piano part. Um, it has like some of the music, music samplers. Like I said, after I'd watched this movie, I instantly went and got the, um, soundtrack to this movie because there are songs on here I really, really like. So, um, I was having a look here on the front six Academy Award wins. It says best director, best actress, best cinematography, best original song. It just doesn't have the best movie. But yeah. <laughs> Um, they look at that with like, oh, yeah. fuck Moonlight. <laughs> and it did take a while to come out this. It missed the award, sir, award season completely, didn't it? Um, but I am uh, very impressed. There are good extras on here. You can listen to a commentary and uh, from Damien Chazelle to so find out exactly what he was thinking when he made it. But um, yeah, I'm super impressed by this movie. It's gonna, going to be in my top movies of the year, I, I guarantee you. It prob- have we graded it? Have we scored it? So is that one of my top scoring? No, movies it's really ice high in my uh, scoring. I don't know. It's intangible things for me on movies. I yeah. can say to you, I don't even know exactly, but I had feelings watching it. Yep, I understand. That well, I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's there's something. See, I attach numbers to my feelings so that at the end of the <laughs> 52 weeks, I will have a scale that I can look back because I don't always remember the feeling. Some movies that sticks with me always, and some movies I forget how much I liked it or didn't like it. I have to look and then kind of revisit it. Well, I had multiple feelings during this movie. I had lots of happiness feelings, just like, wow, this is really a happy... I had... What made you happy? Just the overall vibe. Uh, whenever anybody started singing or dancing, I was just like, I'm not really into singing and dancing, but this makes me smile. I don't know what the deal is here. So there was a lot of that. <laughs> there was a lot of heartache. In the middle of this movie, I felt that conversation at the table. It's just like heartbreaking. It's like there's so much going on. It's, it was. It's very honest. The dialogue like that, that, that was really good writing. That's where you should get an Oscar for writing because that was. <laughs> and then there was um, an unusual amount of funniness in this movie that I didn't expect. It makes fun of Hollywood quite a lot. It makes fun of pretentious people in Hollywood, like the joke about everybody drives a Prius. Yeah. Or the lady who comes to get a refund at the coffee shop because is this cake gluten-free or whatever Yeah, it was. she's already eaten like half of it almost. <laughs> and she comes up and goes, oh, is this gluten-free? And she's like, I don't think so. And then she's mad. And then she keeps her weight in there while she's... Because if you sit there picking out on a cinnamon roll and your friend goes, oh, well, I'm gluten-free, then yeah. you have to go, oh, <coughs> oh, me too. Is this not gluten-free? There's a lot of that. Oh. Making and the fun. line that, of course, the most famous is they worship everything and value nothing. That came from Ryan Gosling's woman, wasn't it? Yeah. Didn't you say? Eva Mendes. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like this director, you were saying he... Takes... His, 
he's more flexible telling his almost. story. Yeah. yeah. No, not my experimental. That's a whole different thing. He but. takes some, uh, this, this he kind of lets it happen other than the really super choreographed hard work that they did on getting the big dance scene on the freeway, which could have, unfortunately I devalue it because it doesn't mean anything to me other than I know it was hard work for them. Um, he puts a lot of structure into those, and yet I think the dialogue and the people, he lets it be a little bit more loose, lets, lets them contribute. So, uh, yeah, it's an awesome movie. I uh, recommend it. Yeah, and I'm not a musical fan, and uh, this really did something to me. I don't know. Maybe I'll be into musicals. It did something to you. So thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. La La Land is out Tuesday. You can pick it up. Uh, if you want to enter a contest, we got a new one this week. You can win a copy of Punching Henry. Uh, it's a new movie. Go look on com. You can find out about it and win a copy. Next week's Blu-ray review will be The Founder, starring Michael Keaton. It's the story of the early days of McDonald's restaurants, which uh, is apparently a bit dark and weird. Like, it's not quite so uh, shining golden arches all the time. So we'll have a look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. My Ryan Gosling movie uh, I recommend to you is The Nice Guys. It's a movie he did last year. Shane Black directed it. He did it with Russell Crowe. It is an extremely really funny... Good. Yeah. Weird a little bit. It's got this old school Hollywood feel to it also, like this movie does. There's a house in this movie that they do a dance number at that I said to you. Looks just like the house from Nice Guys. Yeah. Uh, but then LA's got a lot of those yeah, houses. Yeah, but um, Nice Guys, as the as the old LA gumshoe, um, old school detective feel to it, but it's actually a comedy. Um, it's really good. Ryan Gosling's awesome in it. And my Emma Stone recommendation to you is Zombieland. Um, it was really before she became big, but um, it is an awesome movie, Zombieland. If you, if you overlook Zombieland and you like movies like Shaun of the Dead you know, the comedy side of zombie movies um, is a really good example of one of those movies. So yours are? Mine are going with the 30 years ago theme from 1987. We were all alive back then, at least those of us who are quite old. Two of the movies that I have seen from 1987 would be The Lost Boys, which I think you liked. Sutherland. Keith for Sutherland, who is now the designated survivor. He is. <laughs> <laughs> and was Jack, whatever his name was, in 24. So Bauer. younger people will know him as Jack Bauer. I really know him as that guy. Absolutely. I know him as this zombie Dracula guy, whatever he was. Yeah, the cool Dracula with <laughs> yeah. the with the spiky hair. Spiky hair, hair yeah. and the chains and the black leather coat and whatever. So The Lost Boys and Stakeout. The original Stakeout, which had Richard Dreyfus, Emilio Estevez, Rosie O'Donnell. Is Mel Gibson in it? I don't think so. No. Oh. And it's it, one of those weird comedies remember. from the 80s. Like Beverly Hills Cop or something? Uh, no, not as funny. 48 Hours, something like that? No, not as funny as that. 48 Hours has got its own... I think it was trying to be that. Yeah. We're talking 87, so we're scooting up to the 90s. I don't right think now. I saw Stakeout. Oh, you should go back and watch it. But Stakeout and The Lost Boys, <laughs> you don't want to stake. <laughs> you know? That's a good... Sure. That's your connection. That is funny. Now, I'm not recommending them because they're great. I'm just recommending them because I'm going in alphabetical... I'm going in order... Of when they were released in 1987. We're up to whatever week it is now in 2017. 
So that's why I'm recommending that you revisit the 80s, basically. So uh, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I just wanted to remind people how we've just been talking about movies and how awesome movies are and how there's awesome movies all the time. But television at the moment, we're living in a time at the moment where <laughs> The Leftovers is playing on Sunday nights on HBO. Better Call Saul is playing on AMC on Monday nights. And on Wednesday nights, uh, Fargo is playing on FX. Three of my favorite TV shows ever. All playing at the same time. Which is like, <laughs> it's a dream for me. And how good was Fargo, the opening episode of Fargo on Wednesday? That show blows me away. It's like it's like a fantastic movie every time. It's, it's like high a quality. Movie. I will say this, for this particular opening episode, it didn't quite capture me the way the last opening one did, just because I was so... You mean the last one? Last season. Right. Where we opened with, you know, the guy at the cafe Ted and then the girl and the... Yes, but I mean, um, what's her name? Yeah. You know. Yep. What's her name? <laughs> yeah. She's the va- Dracula girl. S- uh, Sp- Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yes. Didn't like her in Spider-Man... Uh, but in, that's why I think I was, and Todd from Breaking Bad was in it. He's not Todd, he was, but yeah. he's it. And that opening one, I was just like, whoa, this is not just weird like it is, like Fargo is, like they've made it. But it was like, oh, I cannot wait to see what the hell these people do. This time, I'm, it's good. It's super high quality. It's really good. It just good. didn't capture me quite as much. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm there. I'm ready to see what happens next. But, my expectations of everybody is not blown away because I think you and McGregor is good, and I think David Thewis is in it. is a is an English actor. Oh yeah, he plays this really menacing, weird guy in this. That guy is fantastic. I can't. One of the themes that always happens in these in this series in Fargo, the TV show, is that a horrible crime is committed at the beginning, and the person who commits the crime ends up dead immediately. And then everyone has to come to terms with either solving the crime, but you don't have a criminal left. You don't have somebody to... So all the things that basically swirl around this horrible crime and the criminal have to be sort of deconstructed. And then, of course, there's always a bigger picture. So it's the same theme every time. Also, one of my... She's been on my radar for a while. Newest favorite actors, actresses is Carrie Coon. And she's in The Leftovers and Fargo. She was really good. I, she's one to watch. You know, I've not seen her in any movies, but holy shit, she's good. And she really... Everybody was good. Don't get it, me wrong. And the, the girl played his girlfriend, the one brother's girlfriend, really Mary good. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Is it? From, from Scott Pilgrim. And, right. And uh, also from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, she's awesome. Correct. Too. Yeah. Everybody's really good. It's just that the story hasn't, like, made me go, oh, yet. It's pretty twisted already, though. Oh, sure. Um, the part where Carrie Coon was um, yep. with the shotgun through the house with the light on it. I was and really And there was this tense. weird throat singing, um, that throat singing. <laughs> yeah. And it just felt like, oh, this If you want to talk weird. about somebody deciding to make a piece of entertainment and their mind is this, you know what? Fuck everybody who doesn't like it. Yeah. Because that's very obvious. It's not a show that's made for the masses. No. It's a show that's made for you to sit down and watch it and for you to go, oh my God, I am... I am in love with this, and for maybe your wife, not me, because I do love it too, but the person next to you go, looking at what you like, what the hell is this? What is wrong with you? Yeah. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. It's boring, and it doesn't make any sense, and what's that throaty singing in the background? Like, that's the thing. You're going to split. You're not going to find somebody who watches it and go, nah. No, it's like super, it's right. there's a style to it. 
if you like the Fargo movie, and it makes you it captures all that. Like it's not, it's a bit more obtuse than the movie was. The movie is a bit weird too, but he get he goes a bit further. But than the, movie the movie only has its two hours to tell you the yeah. story, whereas in a TV show you're going to get six hours or however many episodes there are. I don't ten. remember ten. So you get ten hours. Yeah. To tell the story. So you don't have to condense everything. You can tell the quirky, weird story about the quirky, weird guy and not even know he's weird until episode three. You're right. You know, so trying to cram a lot of that in the first episode never, like, it didn't, I don't feel like we had a lot of, it was pretty, sound, to say it's low-key is weird because we got the... Yeah, it's not low. And like, no. <laughs> but it a is. A lot happens in that At the same episode. time, you're just like lulled into this like, oh, I'm watching this like, wherefore brother out thou kind of it's that, weirdness. It? I mean, yeah. It's, it, he's tried to capture the Coen Brothers Fargo and people said, oh, there's no way anybody but the Coen Brothers could capture that. But even the Coen Brothers have said to this guy, Noah Hawley, you have captured our shit and gone better than it because... We didn't have the luxury of the time you've got. And I will say the first series, first series though. I mean, come on, the first. Yeah, season. it's really. I I thought the second one lived up to it though. It did. This one is. But the first one, like you've got me. Billy Bob Thornton being a character un unmatched Malvo. so far, right? In his, because the thing about the wolf and the. That's why I'm thinking this David Thewis character in this new one. Yeah, but is going to match that guy. But he's not going to be that because we get a lot of Billy Bob. Right. We get him and his motivation and a lot of him being this crazy person. Whereas in other, like last year, you got people that are crazy too, but you just get little dibs and dabs of them, so. And the other show we, we've been watching, which I think we're on mixed opinions of, it's like, I literally, like, want to climb inside the TV and be in it, <laughs> is The Leftovers on Sundays. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it blows my mind every week. It always has from the beginning. It's full of religious overtones. It's full of bonkers, weird shit that you can't even understand. Sometimes you're like, I don't even know what happened that episode. It was weird. But there's something to me that just... I just like it. The quality of the acting. I feel like it might be a road to nowhere kind of show. Like, it's finishing. This is the end, the last season. I do feel like it might not have any answers to it. But the ride for me is what I enjoy. And it is it is a fucking ride. I mean... The opening of season three, the first minute, it's like, <laughs> what the hell is going on in this show? Like, it's just a crazy show. Um, but that doesn't make it good. You see, this is the argument that I make to you. Uh, it to doesn't, but it doesn't make it good. You are oohed and awed by the weirdness. Weirdness doesn't equal quality. I don't disagree that the performances are mostly really good. Yeah. And kind of kind of give you that feeling like you're not sure if this is really happening or if this person's in a dream or sometimes you get that. That's fine. But the weirdness doesn't equal good. And not telling me a story, not furthering along the story, like with Legend. Well, I love it. I like the show itself. Legend, oh, Legends. Legion. Legion. <laughs> Legions, I keep calling I was going to say Legend. What Legion. <laughs> While it's got style oozing out of every orifice, and it's got a cool vibe, and I love the visuals, and I do like the story that's sort of tucked in there, taking your time to tell me the story doesn't necessarily equal good, like... Having one whole episode where, at the end of it, you haven't moved forward at all with any of the characters or the choices they need to make or with the overriding anything. With the leftovers, I always come out of every week's episode and I have to go and think about it for a little Mm -hmm. bit. I'll go and sit and think about it and then I will have about 
10 theories at least, I'll be like, okay, so Chief Gavi's putting a bag over his head, so he's probably trying to do this. Or is he or dead? Or is he dreaming? Or, or, is, or is this, is the whole second half of this episode after the bag goes over the head. Like his not, sexual fantasy. Is, is, it real, it, yeah. is it not, you know, there's a lot of that, like where you're like. I think just saying that to people who haven't seen it, they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it is really. <laughs> yeah. It, you, you can't predict it. It's, it's got some mad stuff going on in it. But I love it. I can't wait to see how it ends up. They really went, they did a lot in last week's episode, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, there's only eight episodes this season, but it is actually being wrapped up, so. I think that it could have stood alone in one year and been finished. And that would have been good as well. Because the second, you know, keep carrying on with a story that's so weird. Aside from last season, had this episode called International Assassin. I think it's episode eight. It was one of my favorite hours of television that year. It's this bizarre, uh, like a... But again, it didn't move that story along at all. And we're, we're no, watching a story. No, but it takes story. place somewhere where you don't expect. It's, it's just this odd... Something happens to the chief, and then this whole right, episode. But that needs takes place. to be part of not necessarily explaining everything to me because I don't mind having loose ends. I don't mind chaos. I don't mind having to figure out shit for myself. I don't mind that at all. However, in a story where you are telling a story, you are trying to tell the story of on one day, October fourteenth, was it? Um, of whatever year. 2% of the world population disappeared. Mm-hmm. They didn't die. They just disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the story. You're telling now the story of either what that was or how people are coping and where the world's going to end up because of that event. So it could mean anything, right? But you're still telling me a story. It's not just all those people disappeared and now we're going to have all this weird shit happen and then that's it. Like that doesn't make a story at all. So I need a store. I need it to keep feeding me a little bit. it makes an experience. Right, but it's not even. Because I'm not... If it's going to be experienced, then that's fine. Make it what it is. Make every single episode where it's not even connected to the one before. The only thread that you have is that the 2% of the people have, are been missing. And if that's the case, that's fine. You're giving me a little vignette every week about people coping or about something. And then I know that next week I'm starting over. And I'm just going to know that the one thing that everybody has in common is somebody's gone missing or disappeared, right? That's fine, too. But this middle ground of carrot on a stick, that is what I don't like. That's why I didn't like Lost anymore, because it was just this bullshit like, oh, rubbing our hands together. We've got them watching. Let's keep them watching and be all fake cool about it. I like how The Leftovers is a bit, it's a bit of a niche show. It's not like a huge rated show or anything. I mean, people love it. But it's not a huge watched show. It's kind of one of those... It's not like they get Game of Thrones 20 million viewers. It's like a very small... I think it's 1 million viewers or something. Which gives you a lot more freedom. Yeah. To be a bit more, you know, non-commercial, let's say. Like, it's not... It's not spoon-feeding you this thing. You have to really think about it. I don't need stuff. to be spoon-fed if that's what you're trying to get at. No, I not you. That. I'm saying that it's, <laughs> I love to I think like about things. I like that it's very... It's... When I said experimental before, it, it kind of is in a way. Like There isn't anything with such a weird... And I understand well, that, but that doesn't equal good. I imagine Twin Peaks when it next month when the new Twin Peaks comes. That will be the most bizarre. Because David Lynch back doing Twin Peaks. David Lynch makes he barely makes any sense. He's he also does. grown up. and so No, he, he still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> He's a crazy person. 
But, but, and now he's got millions of dollars to do whatever he right. wants. Right. And when I watched Twin Peaks back in the 80s, it's like watching, like, like spew from a crazy person's mind. It's It barely makes any sense. It's very weird. <laughs> but that's what kept me watching it every week. I was like, what is that? What You know, is that real? There's a man just jumps out of a cupboard. A dwarf jumps out of a cupboard <laughs> in the middle of a scene while people are just talking normally. Is he really there? What the hell? It's like watching something a crazy person did. So if you... Yeah, Twin Peaks, I think, will be the most experimental thing on TV. Because I don't think David Lynch gives a fuck. I think he's... I don't think he cares about, like... But the thing, I'm going to say it again, that doesn't make it good. It only makes it weird. And weird doesn't equal good. No, it doesn't. But often I am attracted to weird. Because Twin Peaks, I'll guarantee, the original Twin Peaks is not very good. It's very uh, badly made. It's like It feels like a weird soap opera. It doesn't look particularly good, but there was nothing like that on TV. And I watched the first episode and went, it wasn't like I was thinking, wow, this is so good. It was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I want to see how weird this gets. Like, Right, how- that's what I'm saying. That's not nothing to do with quality. Right, but I feel Leftovers has a whole lot of quality to it as well. It's disconnected. There's quality. It's not quality overall. It's weird and good, not just good. And then the final one of these three... Is Better Call Saul, <laughs> which is in its third season now. It's because you're only now really coping with the end of Breaking Bad, I think, after how many years? Right, it is, years the, it is the, um, it's a spin-off show from Breaking Bad. It's always, yeah. A prequel yeah. to Breaking Bad, let's say. It only for one before. character. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you'll all know Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad. Well, not those of us who didn't watch Breaking Bad. If you watch Breaking Bad, Saul Goodman is this... He's a he's a abhorrent. He's not a nice character. He's, he's horrible. a sleazy lawyer horrible. who gets the criminals off all right. the time because he's really good at being a lawyer. But Jimmy McGill, who he starts off as, his real identity, Jimmy McGill, is not Saul Goodman. He is a different guy. Like he's got pieces of that guy. This is his origin story. Yeah, before he turns to and Mike Ehrman Trout as yeah, well. Yeah, before he becomes a douche, basically. He's an actual full-on dickhead in, in um, Breaking Bad. He's like the kind of guy you're like, oh my god, I feel dirty just walking in his office. He's horrible. But in this, he's trying to be a good person. So we're going to see the break at some point. Yeah, the what break. pushed him over to the... But literally, when you say break, this week's episode, it crosses into Breaking Bad territory, like, properly this week. This movie. This uh, show. Um, it, it has before because of Mike yeah. and, and Saul, but. Well, yeah, it's all, yeah. The actual, one of the big plots of Breaking Bad is starting to come to fruition. Also, the origin story of that. Yeah. yeah. I like what they're doing with it. It stands alone. I don't... It is really good quality, and it's not super weird, and it is telling me the story of the guy. I get it all. And there are, there's oddness occasionally, but not overtly oddness. Like, like the brother, brother. Yeah, yeah, the brother who feels like electricity and anything powered is. Um, killing him, basically. Yeah, he's and he's got uh, like a... Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy, in case anybody ever watched and, Laverne uh, and Shirley. Spinal Tap. Yeah, I think... I don't know, <laughs> Spinal Tap, so I think of him as uh, from Laverne and Shirley. But it's a whole good cast uh, in that show. Oh, she's Everybody's awesome. Everybody's amazing. She's incredible. Rhea, see I want to see her in more yeah. things. Yeah, she's really... I've never seen her before. This she's is just the first so thing. natural and just... I, I sometimes I'm watching just because I'm I, I'm glad she's on it. Yeah, I just love the show. It's like, uh, like I said to you, this show... This week, well, often many weeks, they will have a whole segment, 15 minutes, like a whole before and after a commercial break, that there is no dialogue and it doesn't matter. You don't go like... Not there's no dialogue. Like barely any. There's, yeah. There was a scene with uh, Mike where he's doing some yep. things 
And he wouldn't be speaking to anybody because... He's alone. <laughs> and it's not now where everybody's on a phone and stuff. It's set in the past a little bit. And it didn't make any difference. You know exactly what's going on, what's going through his mind without him even saying anything. And a lot of shows don't do that. They feel like necessarily, like designated survivor. There isn't a second when somebody's not saying it. <laughs> no. It's like, oh, and while I'm enjoying that show, yeah, it doesn't it, have the same thing. No. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Designated survivor is a show we watch. It's a network drama. It has a very specific, like, it's sort of a hack show. Keep them on the hook. It's a hack, yeah. It's yeah. a hack show because... and it, I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I have no problem with that because I'm watching it and it's I enjoy it. It's just a fun it. ride. It is. We're going to play to everything people, the masses, will be interested in. Yeah. We've got this idea of, you know, attack on the government and then the government trying to... And America falling apart and blah, blah, blah. You know, all the, and it keeps... It's not slow moving. Yeah. It's always something happening. Always. Every literally, you're watching it and it cuts, and you're like, "What?" Is this yeah. like five hours later, and this person who was just in the Oval Office is now out in the woods. Okay, just gotta go with it. <laughs> yeah, they'll go. Um, we're going to have to start an investigation into such a thing, and then the next thing you know, they're finishing the investigation. <laughs> yeah. They found everything. You're like, well, "Is that it?" In, in Better Call Saul, that would take three episodes, <laughs> exactly, or a whole season. <laughs> you wouldn't even know. Yeah. So yeah, there are some. There's some really good. Yeah, TV. and I'm not a snob about TV. Really? I mean, there may be things that I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to watch, you know, wrestling or it's just because it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't appeal to me at all. But then I'll turn right around and watch, um, flea market flip all day long. Like I I couldn't care less of anybody. So it's like, oh, that's stupid. You're going to watch people like buy an old table and saw, sand it and paint it and sell it at a flea market. Yes. Yes. I will watch that for seven hours straight. No problem. And we watch, we're watching Gogglebox at the moment. (laughs) We've been. Marathon in it, basically. That's us, watching people watch TV. It's, so, yeah, I have no judgment. Yeah, I mean, it's like a... Yeah. But so I don't know if my standard of quality is really one to judge by. <laughs> no. All right, so Stenguli, what is it, and what's tonight's movie? Tonight is The Mad Ghoul. I don't know what it is, but Stenguli is... What was that again? The Mad Ghoul. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> what year is it? Does it say that? Does it look old? Boris Karloff, isn't it? It looks 40s, maybe. So it'd be right back then. Yeah. Spanguli is a horror host who dresses up funny and tells really bad jokes. And he hosts two hours of TV in which he plays an movie. old movie. Could be a old horror movie. Could be Godzilla. Could be Evan Costello, me the mummy. Or the original things like the original Dracula, original Frankenstein, original werewolf, uh, mummy. All those. He did uh, say man. on tonight's show, especially, he's going to have a the history of his coffin, all the different oh, coffins yeah. he's had, and what, what happened. I mean, he's been around since the seventies. Yeah, took really, a break yeah. and then came back in the eighties or nineties, and then he's been on ever since. He's on MeTV. Elvira, so, and we don't have cable, so we no. just get it on the HD antenna. So people will know Elvira. She's a horror host. She's probably the most famous one that people probably, might know because yeah. she had a feature movie and stuff. It's that. It's a person who... They don't know her because of her movie. They know her because of her boobs. Yeah, pretty much. And her look. Yeah. She's still going as well. She is, and yeah. she's still Elvira, which I, I was like, wow, really? I said, keep it going, lady. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. So, it- so that's what Svengulli is. And it's a lot of fun. We get our little... I get Subway, which is what's in the question. What's for supper? I'm going to get Subway, and then we will watch. And my advice is, don't get sucked in. You know, this movie is the thing where he... Has he has his 
thing in his mind that he's going to do. He's going to have his club someday. Obviously, he's been screwed over by somebody, and now he's kind of on the down of it, but he's just sort of flailing around and not doing his thing. But he probably will get there, right? And then he gets sucked in, in his mind, into this idea that, well, now I have to sacrifice that because I have this woman and she has these expectations, and he kind of gets sucked that direction, right? Instead of his own thing. And in life, it's very easy to be sitting around a table and everyone's saying something political, religious, or their favorite movies or favorite sports, and you don't identify with that at all, and you don't agree with it at all, or you don't even, it doesn't even occur to you, and yet, all of a sudden, you start letting it suck you in. And these things that you didn't care about or know anything about, you will fake it in order for people to like you or in order for people to respect you, and then you maybe take on that thing. You may start going to baseball. Every time you go to the game with your friends, you get home and think, oh my God, what a waste of five hours of my life. But, well, you know, they're my friends and they're not going to like me if I don't like sports. You know, that kind of thing. I don't, I'm not into that. Or anything. Even the deepest, darkest ideas that you can argue about in life, I do not advocate getting sucked in to somebody else's thing just so that they will like you more. It's not even like, is it? Cause it's fake, but, um, don't get sucked in. Do not get sucked into the big, what looks like a great big vacuum coming your way, like a big black hole that you, you think, well, if all my friends are going and listening to country music, then I guess the fact that I like EDM or that I like pop or that I like reggae, I probably shouldn't. I should probably just go ahead and every time my friend pulls up beside me, I better have country music on my station. Otherwise they're going to, Give me some shit or whatever. Like, that's getting sucked in. Just don't do it. I uh, really like that movie poster, by the way. Yeah, it's cute. It's nice. Uh, La La Land. It's cute. It's like a purple... I like uh, the mad ghoul. It's like a purple sky, <laughs> and there's, they're dancing with their arms in the air. It's just cool looking. So, they, have, uh, they have the internet, these people. They can go look it up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's um, remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sitso.com. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store, or just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can listen to all 476 podcasts on that page. That's a lot of listening for you. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And finally, stay classy, Mr. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I love this movie. It will be in my top ten, I guarantee you, this year. Unless a lot of other good movies come out. <laughs> and I'm going to say think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 